Welcome to the Six Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. And I'm Clayton Hunt. This week, we're going to talk about some of our personal projects. I've been working on a CMS in Blazor, and John has a site for technology speakers. So Clayton, why don't you give us a little bit of background about your Blazor CMS project? Yeah, so... um, I'm not sure exactly how the idea got on my head, but um, I ended up being curious about how difficult it would be to render components dynamically. So I started to experiment with that. And uh, before too long, I had pages that were rendering dynamically based off of a, a data set that I was providing. So I kind of figured, why not continue working down that path? and build out a full CMS offering similar to WordPress or Kentico, although um, a lot more like Kentico in the in the usage. Mostly kind of a headless CMS where the consuming clients would be building their website and their components to operate the way that they wanted to. Less like pre-baked stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm more familiar with WordPress at this point. I, I think a large majority or a large number of, of websites out there are, are utilizing WordPress in some form or fashion. I'm just not as familiar with, with Kentico. So what what about Kentico would you equate your Blazor CMS project to? Is it just the way it works or the ideas behind what you're trying to develop? Um, it's the, the fact that it's a headless CMS, which at first is a little difficult to, to kind of get your head around. So I'll try to explain that. Basically, with a site like WordPress, you go to your WordPress site and you go slash WP admin. And then from that admin page, which is part of your site, you add pages, you manage the content, uh, different languages, you add plugins, et cetera, et cetera. With something like Kentico, they provide the server of your content, right? So you will go into the Kentico admin site and set up your pages and add new component. I forget what they exactly call them, but uh, kind of like component designs. So you might say, we have a component named calendar and that component has a series of months and it has uh, a series of days of the week. And we expect the user to fill out the names of the months and the names of the days of the week. And then we expect the actual component that will work on the website to take care of the rendering and everything. It is then the user's responsibility to build a web application that can consume the Kentico data that's coming from their admin portal. So instead of going into WordPress and just adding something, you will actually have to create those components. So you would be making your own calendar component in your website. Uh, This could be a JavaScript component, uh, you could even use Kentico for like a, a web forms or a, a wind forms application if you wanted to. They just provide the data, which is which represents a description of what you want your application to display. And then you have to provide all the code to make it display the correct thing. 
the idea with this is that, or with mine, is that I would have the admin side all set up, configured, ready to go. And similar to Kentico, you could go into the admin side and build out the description of your components and the description of the pages that are consuming those components. And then the client side would would consume that data from the server side. Um, and then you would have to build the Blazor components that would render based on that data. The one thing that I would be providing for the client side is um, the dynamic rendering components. So you wouldn't have to build out the infrastructure, which you may or may not have to do with Kentico depending on the platform that you choose to use. I guess that would be sort of similar, but mine is specifically targeted at a Blazor on, on both sides because uh, that's what I wanted to work with. But like I'll, I'll have a NuGet package where you can you can pull down the dynamic portions and then all you have to do is create your Blazor components, inform the admin side about those components, and then uh, fill out the data on the admin side. So so why Blazor for, for this particular project? Because Blazor's cool. Really, it's it's um it's kind of the new technology on the block. And I really think uh, if not Blazor, some other WebAssembly-based technology is going to be the way forward. So uh, since Blazor is the one that's available now and it's in my favorite language, C Sharp, I figured that that's the one that I would work with. And, and you and I have chatted about this quite a bit, um, and it's one of the applications that we work on on Wednesday nights on Twitch on the live stream. So if anybody wants to tune in and, and see for themselves and ask questions and contribute ideas and thoughts to it, we would certainly welcome the feedback. Uh, but this this is more of a, a closed source application. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, uh, originally, for maybe a week or so, I had it as a full MIT licensed uh, application on GitHub, and then I changed my mind and uh, deleted the the license and uh, put it into a private repo on GitHub. The thought process was that if I actually come up with something good, I might want to sell it as software as a service, similar to the way that Kentico does. You know, if I'm going to be writing all this code, I might as well try to find a way to get paid for it. So let's go down the the thought process in developing this this particular application. What what have you already started scaffolding? What have you already started implementing? What are the the plans in the immediate future and further down the line? Yeah, so I've actually already got the bare bones of the dynamic component rendering figured out. It is rendering components dynamically based on information that it is receiving from uh, an API call. And I also, I took the source from the Microsoft routing that Blazor already uses. And I kind of created my own dynamic routing because I needed it to not find pages based off of the reflection that it was doing, but instead to find pages based off of the data that's coming from the server. So I kind of appended to the code that they already had to include also my dynamic data endpoints. The things that I'm working on now uh, I decided it didn't make a lot of sense to keep building out these these uh, components. Instead, it makes more sense to to go ahead and, and get a full end-to-end process working. So the thing that I'm working on now is the admin side, kind of mocking out the ability to list out the pages that are already in the system and then add new components and new things to those pages. Uh, I haven't made a lot of progress uh, in that direction. I was trying to avoid... Uh, actually adding a database, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I think 
I think I'm going to have to break down and just add a database. I would imagine most content management systems have some kind of data store backing the the application, right? So there's got to be, if not a database, what actual files that are on the server or or, or being served up by the application? Yeah, uh, the prototype that we actually just worked on uh, last Wednesday was the um, the ability to load from file. And that's that's actually functioning. Uh, we we have a content.json and all the data is being loaded from there, and that sort of works. But it's it's going to have to to grow, and I'm not sure how well a single file. And it's it's still basically a database. It's just it's just a document store for the the information. And there are much more efficient document stores than just me hitting the file system. It will most likely expand into. Uh, I'm leaning towards uh, some form of document database right now, uh, but possibly SQL. And it'll it'll expand into that real quick, maybe even the next time that we work on it. Eventually, I have to consider ways to partition the data for different, you know, different clients of the, the SaaS, uh, which right now, since I'm still in the prototyping phase, I'm just pretending like I only have the one client and then I'll I'll break that stuff out later. So what do you think? Maybe continue fleshing out the admin side or or do you think at some point in the next week or two that we can start discussing potentially implementing the, the client application as well? Well, like I said, the, the client already renders dynamic components. So the only thing left to do on the client is to design the components for a web application that we want to run. And I do want to get that going uh, soonish because I'd like to have a demo site actually running out there in the wild uh, that people could go to and see you know, see what the performance and things are like. But in order to work with that data effectively, we really need the admin side because right now, if I wanted to add a new component to the page, I have to manually build out that data profile and it, it's kind of annoying. So any more about the, the Blazor CMS that you want to share before we move on? No, I mean, that's basically it. I, I would enjoy any any uh, feedback if people watch us on Wednesdays. I know that it's technically closed sourced, but it is open development. So anybody that shows up on Wednesdays, if it's a Wednesday where we're working on on my project, then I would love to get any feedback on ideas, suggestions or or the code itself. But that kind of brings us to to the next thing. Some Wednesdays we won't be working on on my side project. We'll be working on yours. And your current one, if I'm not mistaken, is called Speaker Meet. You want to tell us about that, where it came from and and, uh, what its purpose is? Yeah, so... The, the initial idea was kind of floating around in, in my head uh, when the INETA organization announced that they were disbanding and no longer going to be helping speakers with their travel costs and, and lodging and, and connecting to uh, user groups and meetups and, and conferences. And so I thought that they filled such a vital role in the organization that surely uh, some, someone or something could, could step up and, and help fill that void so I had initially started thinking about a, a resource for speakers in connecting with user groups and conferences, resource for conferences to reach out to potential speakers and user groups to reach out to potential speakers. And of course, we run a, a local meetup group in the St. Pete, Tampa Bay area in Florida. So we're always looking for speakers. And especially these days when uh, most of our meetings are remote and virtual, so we're we're interested in getting connected with speakers that can speak at our user group virtually. 
So with all this time that I had on my hands in the evenings after the kids gone to bed, then then I'm looking to continue to stay productive and, and looking to uh, continue working on applications and, and honing my craft and, and continuing uh, to improve my skills and, and just build out something. I, I decided to re-energize this, this application, this, this idea uh, for, for more recent development. Uh, before it was an, an MVC site, it was never really completed, never really functioning. Uh, so I think this time around, I'm, I'm trying to make it useful and, and get it out there in the wild and, and help people find it and get some help from the community that, to help contribute to it as well. And I figure, if nothing else, it can be a reference application for how to implement certain things. I'm using a variety of different technologies and wiring everything together. And I say a reference application because I want to make sure that people understand that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Which, uh, speaking of of the the wide array of of technologies that you're using, you've got some of them listed here in our in our show notes that I've that I'm looking at. You want to go through some of those? Uh, there's quite a few. Yeah, so I've been primarily working in .NET Core, and a lot of my recent experiences is in .NET Core and Web API projects, hosting applications in Azure and utilizing a variety of tools that delivered in the cloud via Azure. My recent UI work was in React, and, and I still use and, and appreciate everything that the Create React app gives users and gives developers. So I'm using Create React app with Material UI, which is an implementation for React using uh, the Material framework from Google, I believe. Of course, .NET Core Web API hosted in Azure on an app service plan, utilizing storage, serving up images of speakers and user groups and conferences, using a, a static website out of the storage account. Of course, using Azure SQL to store all of the relevant data. Implemented Azure Cache for Redis to cache some of the results that are likely to not change very often. So I'm caching things for about 12 hours for featured speakers, featured user groups and meetups and featured conferences. I'm also utilizing Azure Cognitive Search. So at the top of the page, there's a search bar that you can type in someone's name. For instance, you can not worry too much about spelling it correctly because I've got the cognitive search tuned to allow for fuzzy searches. And I've got a name that people often misspell my last name by a letter or so, and, it, and I still show up in the search results. Of course, I've plugged in Application Insights to make sure that I'm understanding how the application is performing, getting all of my logging and metrics on the Azure Application Insights dashboard. Recently, we had a guest on talking about GitHub Actions. So I've been utilizing a variety of different GitHub Actions to build and test my applications as well as deploy them to Azure. All of the source is available on GitHub and is open source, and I'm looking for contributors. So if anybody out there has any experience with any of these technologies or has no experience and is looking to get involved, then I'd certainly welcome any and all contributions. All right. So let's let's go through maybe not one by one, but but a few of those. You mentioned that uh, you're using static website through Azure storage. Does that mean that the actual web application itself or not the web application, but the actual site that if somebody were to go to it is serverless? It's just it's just HTML and JavaScript. So right now I've got the React app and the web API application running on an app service plan, utilizing Linux as the OS for those. 
And I, I do believe that I could probably also run the React app as a static site out of the storage account. However, what I am doing is using the static website for storage to serve up the images of the speakers, conferences, and user groups. Okay. And so that allows me to just kind of throw all the images into a bucket and allow that to be served up from the static website. And that seems to be working really well. I'm, I am actually pleasantly surprised at how well it's working. And I'm thinking about moving the, the React app site to that as well. I even noticed that with all of the bits kind of plumbed together that I'm using, I was actually able to back down the the service levels of the app service and and things like that that I'm using to just above the free account. So I'm using the bare bones minimum that you can get away with without relying on just the free stuff. Right now, I'm utilizing the azurewebsites.net URL, thinking that I'm approaching where I wouldn't be too ashamed to publish it out on a, a custom URL. So I'll probably be looking to do that in the next week or two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen the site. I think it actually looks really good. Um, the design is, is one of the things that I've never been good at. I think you said that you, you actually paid for a designer to, to come up with the design that you have. I did. I, I actually went to Fiverr. I, I paid someone for the logo design and I paid someone for an initial page layout design for the three views. It's for the homepage view, for a roll-up list view, and for a details page view. So I'm still fleshing out how some of those things work. Uh, The designers kind of took a few liberties, and and I appreciate that because it actually helped me come up with ideas on how to make the site more useful for individuals and and organizations. Uh, So I'm, I'm still kind of fleshing a lot of that information out and, and a lot of the functionality out. I've still got some Latin text uh, that, that I need to replace in, in several different places. So I'm still looking for ideas and suggestions on, on what, what people might be interested in seeing. Okay. So the, the, um, let's see, you, you've got a lot of services in there. Um. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'll see, I've got a, a note here too, that I'm, I'm also looking for reasons to use Azure functions and bot framework and anything else really in day jobs, in working with clients, it's, it's often very difficult to have a conversation of, I really want to use this technology. Can I implement this technology for you, regardless of if it's actually right for the, the problem <laughs> we're trying to solve? So with these personal projects in, in the evenings and weekends, this is the time that I get to play with those things, figure out the caveats to them, figure out their, their uses and purposes, and look for an exciting way to implement that without costing a, a client a lot of money. Yeah, so so whether it's the right tool for the job or not, since it's it's your project, you can use it as sort of a playground and and at least explore the technologies. Yeah, and, and in the worst case, it's oh, that was a flaming disaster and let's back out that that solution and and look for a better way to solve that problem. Yeah, now we're both on uh, GitHub. One thing with the project that I've been doing is I am I am only using the main branch. I'm not really creating branches because I'm the only one developing on it. And I have a fairly clear idea of the next thing that I'm doing. So I'm not, I'm not concerned that um, I'm going to have to back out a whole bunch of stuff. 
but it sounds like maybe you aren't. Are you are you making branches for these little experiments uh, to find out if they work before you merge them in, or what's going on there? Uh, I I am utilizing branches, and this is a completely open source project. I am looking for contributors. I've added in the contributors bots. I've added a contributors markdown file, and and looking for anybody that that wants to get involved. I've marked some issues as good first issues to pull in and I've added a GitHub project that listing out some tasks that I think need to be done to make the application function. So with that, yeah, I I am still doing branches. I am looking to enact some branching policies and and have some branching templates available and issues templates available that can help a community get involved or help individuals get involved. That's another way that our applications differ is that you're wanting to to stay closed source in the event that it can be a software as a service project where I'm hoping that this is a community run project and want to get more people involved. Yeah, well, and at the same time, mine might end up having certain open source pieces, like maybe the, the NuGet package or something. But yeah, a lot of it, I intend at least for it to remain closed source. And we both have uh, GitHub Actions set up. Uh, I only have a build action. What all do you have set up? So right now I've, I've got the, the project split up into two different repositories. I've got the, the React project in a UI repository and the Web API project in an API repo. In each of those repositories, I've got a build and test action. So when there is a pull request started, in order for that pull request to be merged into the, the master branch, there is an action that is running build and test on either of those repositories. When there is a merge into master, I have a build and deploy task running so that I am actually deploying into Azure, into the app service plan for either the UI or API. At some point, if we get to defining what a milestone would be for a 1.0 deployment or a 2.0 deployment, then I'll look into creating releases. And the releases would be what deploy into the production environment and merging into master might be deployed into a dev or a test environment. Okay, well, that actually made me think of something, well, interesting to me anyway, for the releases and the milestones. For my project, it doesn't matter as much. I'd basically just call it ready to release when it's ready to release. But for your project, since you want it to be full open source community involvement and everything, I'm thinking maybe you don't need to wait for milestones, but you could have, you know, smaller stepping points along the way. But wouldn't you think that it'd be good to get some kind of project goals listed and shot for pretty soon, even if they were like, you know, 0.1 goals or something? I do. And that that's what I struggle with a lot is that I have ideas and, and some of them are kind of vague and, and I haven't even spent enough time to really flesh them out. You know, I'm working nights and weekends on this thing after everyone's gone to sleep and I've put in a full day of work. So I'm often very tired and, and really haven't taken the time to focus on fleshing those ideas out. At that time in the evening, I'm more interested in putting in this little piece of functionality, getting it pushed up into GitHub and getting it and getting the the PR merged into master. I think it probably would be very beneficial to sit down and flesh out what what even point releases would look like. 
and, and what those initial goals are. And then I can better define that for myself and I can better define that for anybody else that wants to get involved. Maybe we can work on that this Wednesday instead of the CMS, kind of give insight to how at least we would do all of that. I will say that a lot of this is just for fun. And a lot of it is I'm trying some of the, the tools and tips and tricks and things that I'm, I haven't used in, in my day-to-day client-focused work. For the most part, I, I live in Azure DevOps for repositories, for work items, for user stories. But with the amount of involvement in open source and community out there on GitHub, I've been watching a lot of, of the live coders on Twitch and see all their interactions with GitHub. It, it got me thinking that, you know, I, I don't spend enough time with GitHub, so I want to make it a goal of mine to get more familiar with what's available out there, what the policies and procedures are around open source projects in the GitHub realm. And I might be making missteps, but I can correct it and I can figure out what works for me and what works for the project there. That actually uh, kind of making a left turn at Albuquerque, but... What license did you decide to go with? Uh, I've always gone MIT when I'm doing something that I'm, I'm okay to have open source simply because it's the no-hassle license. I'd, it It's literally one paragraph and it just says, do whatever you want. But for an open source project like this, that, that may or may not be the right license. So what have you gone with, at least for now? I, I have gone with MIT on both the UI and API projects at this point. Uh, I also created a a media repo, so that's where the logo and the layouts that were generated from the Fiverr line of work, uh, so that's out there. That is not under MIT right now. It's actually unlicensed, so I I would actually have to look to see what the default would be if there isn't a license present. If there are thoughts on on that, if there are better licenses to put something like this, some a project like this out there, then I'd you know all ears and and look to have some some of that advice given to us. Yeah, I think I think if you've if you've only had MIT, then because it's MIT, you're free to change it to whatever you want uh, at any point. But I know some of the other ones, uh, like before you get uh, contributors, you'd probably want to have a really good idea of what license you you ultimately want, because some of the licenses are tricky to work around if you decide to change them later, which is another reason why I just went closed source because I didn't want to deal with any of that. Yeah, I think that's that's all the questions I have right now. Although, what is, well, if you feel like sharing it, what is the Azure website for this application for SpeakerMeet? So right now it's it's hosted on the azurewebsites.net URL. So it's speakermeet.azurewebsites.net. In the next week or two, maybe before this episode airs on the podcast, I might be switching that to speakermeet.net. That is the domain where the old idea project was hosted. So I still have that domain available and and I have every intention of making that the true public URL. Okay. So anyone looking for it should probably just go to that one because that's going to be the official site. So speakermeet.net. Yeah. And if anybody wants to to look into contributing, I've got it hosted under my own GitHub account, ovation 22 slash speakermeet.ui or speakermeet.api. If you want yourself listed as a speaker or you want your user group or community listed or conference listed, then just submit an issue on GitHub and I'd be happy to have that information added to the site. Fantastic. 
So with that, of course, we'd love to hear from you, dear listener. We want to know what you're working on. What's keeping you busy on these nights and weekends where we're all at home? If you've got anything exciting you want to share, hit us up on Twitter or join us on Slack. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at sixfiguredev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I am John Calloway. And I'm Clayton Hunt. Hunt.